1: Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how leveraging a consistent sales process and framework throughout times of rapid growth helps to create enterprise value. And we're gonna focus on how to do this while acquiring companies as a growth strategy. To help us, we have with us Justin Hartnow, Chief Commercial Officer of Syndigo, who has weathered, been involved in, and exceeded with, now brace yourselves, over 33 acquisitions in the past 13 years. Justin, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Chad. Look forward to chatting today.
1: All right. So before we jump into the topic, we always like to ask a question so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. And we like to know, you know, everybody has a work persona and a digital persona and all that happy stuff. But we'd love to know something you're passionate about that those that only know you from that work persona might be surprised to learn about you.
0: That's a good question. Well, everybody knows I'm a huge sports uh, uh, advocate and love my Chicago Cubs, played baseball in college. So that one would be too easy. Um, But I think uh, the number one thing also, which has also really kind of come to fruition over the last 12 months during COVID, is that I have become an avid chef. So uh, in terms of something to get my mind off the day in day out business, and since we've uh, obviously been at home here in Chicago a lot more frequently than expected, gotten to uh, not only kind of weekly full meal planning, uh, <laughs> but trying some uh, trying some unique things.
1: And what's the dish you've done that was the most challenging that you're the most proud of?
0: Oh gosh! Um, so there's one dish from uh, when in my previous career when I was running Asia Pack out of Chicago. I used to spend time in Sydney and Hong Kong and, and Singapore, and there is this unreal uh asian dish at uh, this unreal there's one in san francisco another one down in sydney that just is top notch but in terms of the mix and trying to get the sauce with the cornstarch and everything else it's just something that you got to be watching uh non-stop so i can't be checking my email while, uh, while i'm cooking that one
1: <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. So 33 acquisitions in 13 years. I mean, that almost in my head, having been through acquisitions and knowing how much time it takes and, and the change that happens as a real result of it. Um, amazing accomplishment. But kid 30,000 foot view help the audience understand how this how it happened?
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I've been through kind of four different private equity transactions, um, two different companies over that time frame, and you know, obviously from a private equity realm, you know, there's obviously two ways to achieve the growth: is is organic growth and inorganic growth. And you certainly can't make your numbers with just one. You can't just buy companies and make your growth, and you certainly can't just you know organically create new products. So you know, from a macro level view, the whole idea was both at my previous company and then currently at Syndigo, we saw a huge opportunity. In terms of the the space that we played around, you know, currently product information management and the whole evolution of of e-commerce and and, and the growth that we've seen there, and in order to you know meet our clients' needs, both retailers and brands, from an end to end perspective, you know, we kind of started a strategic plan four years ago and said, okay, here's what we're going to do from an organic perspective. We think we can go build the best solutions, and then hence turn around and and sell and sell those um, the best in the market. But hey, there's also some best in breed, best in class. Companies out there who have unique complementary capabilities, which we can again re- achieve the revenue synergies. So, kind of one plus one equals three by bringing them into the fold, kind of ha- helping them work within our, our overall methodology and our go to market approach to get that you know, 20, 30, 40% growth. Nice.
1: And so anybody who's been through an acquisition knows there's a lot of moving parts with that, right? Especially when you're trying to integrate teams, there's not only the operational side, but that, you know, we're focused on the sales side. What have you found to be the most successful to shorten the amount of time it takes to integrate those teams and get them to maximum productivity?
0: Yeah, I think from my perspective, the number one thing is making sure that everybody has a clear understanding and a clear vision in terms of not only how we're going to go to market and how we are going to engage with our clients and prospects on a go forward basis, but also provide that that transparency and the visibility in terms of what that means for them. So our underlying um, over our overall methodology and approach has been how do we ground everyone in the fundamentals of our value selling methodology, our FNP uh, management process, our field management process, and then also you know, how we're gonna continue to enable our teams to make sure that not only they understand from a product perspective and a value perspective, you know, how to best engage with those prospects and clients, but also making it very clear in terms of what the expectations are. So coming in day one, how do we ensure that we share with them the the, the overall expectations and then help them and enable them and guide them along the way? to make them successful after that.
1: And so it sounds like it's creating a culture of, of enablement, accountability, and making sure that they have the, the clear North star, let's say. So everybody's driving towards the same point. That's a pretty um, lofty goal, but Hey, 33 acquisitions in 13 years, you've obviously <laughs> been very successful with it. And yeah, um,
0: you, you know, I, I, I think it, the, the main part is, is, you know, we we like to use words negotiables and non-negotiables. Right. And, and I, and I, I hate to say it, but the tactical stuff, around what you need to do as a frontline sales manager or as a, you know, manager of managers or a frontline sales rep, right? How do we make sure that you understand that these are the 10 activities that we expect you to do on a month over month basis? Non-negotiable, not worth having a debate on that, but now let's uh, spend a lot of time you know, on the negotiables, which is really what is our account strategy? How do you truly do an account plan? Like what is the most logical sales motion for your set of clients, right? That's where we allow the, the teams to have that level of creativity. And that's where we found the most engagement and the folks who have been most successful have said, okay, you know, I understand here the, and again, I'm just using a number 10 things that need to be done, but outside of that, like let's work together and make it collaborative to, to see how we can really grow this business.
1: And when you think of, you know, we all know um, that frontline managers right, play a critical role in making sure that there's a scalability issue, or, or should be addressed anyway. And I, I'm curious, do you focus specifically on enabling those managers as they come in, or is there some kind of tactic, you know, having them ghost another, um, another manager that's already in, or is there training or some conversations that happen? How do you focus on that management layer,
0: middle management layer to help drive that scalability and integration? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, again, we, we've, we've, encountered multiple different instances. So, you know, sometimes you have, you know, sales leaders, sales managers who are like, you know what, Hey, I was just put in this role to manage five people at a smaller company. And I don't really even like managing. I want to go whale hunting. <laughs> I want to, I want to help. <laughs> I want, I want to be an enterprise contributor, right? I want to have a senior voice at the table, but man, I, even though I managed five people at that previous company, I don't need to manage people here. Right. Then you come to other folks and you say, and it really is, you know, from, from the first thirty days, how do you not only you know connect them, kind of a kind of a peer mentor, if you will, but also really making sure that they understand the fundamentals of uh, again our sales methodology. With like I said, the three p- the pillars are value selling, commercial tribe, and uh, and our FMP field management process. And you know, again, it's it's not always necessarily the most you know it's not it's not the easiest exercise. But you know, again, when when those folks have the opportunity to not only kind of sit sit next to their peers and understand kind of why we do biweekly forecasting, why we do biweekly pipeline, why we do field travel, you know, essentially what that cadence looks like, they're able to, to, to really kind of get on board, especially once you see the excitement of, of the upside potential that, that we see from a, from a growth standpoint.
1: Well, and, you know, nobody likes change, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "Hey, I want catastrophic change in my life today." But <laughs> you know, so there's going to be there's going to be a little bit of fear and uncertainty, right? I think that's just a normal human response. But I would have to assume that with a proven approach and a proven kind of foundation it hopefully for people that are being acquired and coming into coming into the new company it would hopefully reduce the time of uncertainty for them, give them something valuable to, you know, hold on to see the investment that's being made in their success. Do you see that play out over time, that fear, that fear kind of span reduce over time?
0: Yeah, yeah. Again, it's back to the the expectation setting, and you know, there's a lot of folks who, you know, both individual reps and, and frontline sales managers who have always wanted to evolve their career. Right? Is as we go back in the day, and I was grew up, cut my chops at corporate executive board. Right? The Gartner's of the world, the Salesforce of the world. Folks want to, you know, be able to have that track record on their resume right that, that says okay you know what even if five years from now i'm not going to be a um a frontline sales manager at syndigo or a, a sales rep at syndigo I want to be able to go and say, hey, he, here are the fundamentals from a, you know, sales mes- methodology, sales process, and then ultimately success perspective that I learned here and that I can go and take elsewhere in my career as I continue to go and evolve. And, and, and that's really, you know, again, we, we're realistic. we realistic. We we know that, you know, with the 100 plus reps that, that we have today and the, and the 10 plus frontline sales managers, we know that, you know, five years from now, it's not realistic that they're all going to be here, but we want to provide them that best enablement, that best training. So in the long term, we can be a net promoter of talent
1: nice and and when we uh, when you look back over those 33 acquisitions is there one that you're the most proud of or most impressed with the way it happened that you can
0: talk about then i'd be playing favorites chad (laughs) Uh, Can't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I I won't say it by name, but there is one at Syndigo here um, where the business that we acquired was flat for three years. They were having great gross growth or great bookings experience, but they had a massive churn kind of leaky bucket syndrome. And, and it was because it was the focus and the methodology and the mindset of these reps and these managers was just all about bookings and gross growth. And at the end of the day, we were able to take it was a it, it, an industry leader in terms of the solution that they were providing. But three years of flat growth, we've been able to turn that around. And again, it wasn't a five million dollar company either. We've been able to generate about forty percent growth in the last twenty four months. And it really was, you know, you know, from that perspective, there were a couple of folks who just decided that it wasn't the right the right thing for them. But there was a significant amount of reps who um, not only are still with us, um, but also you know were with us for. For 18 months and were able to really kind of engage with their new peers, um, engage with their new managers, knowing that obviously they had that kind of best in class solution behind the scenes. So it was really something where that acquisition was all about re- revenue synergies, uh, obviously, not, not like cutting cost-cutting synergies, but upside. You know, we always think about it from an acquisition perspective. I would try to say 90% of the acquisitions that we look to do are all about revenue synergies. How do I get you know, expedited growth based on our current team selling their new solutions and then their team selling our solutions and really, you know, how we get that, that upside potential. And that is one where single-handedly, not only based on the solution, but also based on bringing them into kind of the commercial organization. um, It really, really yielded the benefit.
1: And and, you know, I've seen it, that says a lot for the, for the approach. I've seen some companies acquire another and then get bogged down in the integration component of it to the detriment of both entities or even the new combined entity to do it 33 times and generate that type of return. I mean, that foundational approach, that consistency of methodology and mindset, I mean, that says a lot for, for the success and what you're bringing to the table as an individual. But let's talk about Syndigo in, in general right now, just for the audience, help them understand what Syndigo does.
0: Sure. Yeah. So um, we are a uh, we are a private equity-owned company, joint owned by two large PE firms, Summit Partners and the Jordan Company. Um, we play in the product information management um, software space. So essentially we work with both brands and retailers to connect that ecosystem around consistent transfer of information, whether that be product information, pricing information, et cetera, between brands and their customers, which are obviously the retailers. So you know when you go on a target.com or a walmart.com and you see the uh, you see the tide bottle up there, you know you envision essentially that product detail page above the fold. So right when you click on that page, we essentially syndicate the content. We've got the pipes into. 1,500 global retailers, and essentially we syndicate that content. So when you click on that that Tide page on walmart.com, we're taking the assets from Procter & Gamble and essentially you know, syndicating them real time. So it's up-to-date packaging, information, et cetera, directly to that retailer. And then if you just think of the other aspects of the product detail page, the weights, the measures, all of that, we can either capture that information ourselves, or we can take it from the um, from other supply chain data sources that again, they, they have internally as well, GDSN is the name of it. And then also as you, uh, as you scroll down on that product page and you see that video around how to get the grass stains out best because of TIDE, we also are working with a P&G and a Walmart to syndicate that content. So it's all kind of the pipes and the software and kind of uh, software and data that we're syndicating between brands and retailers.
1: Nice. Huge, huge cost savings, I would assume, for a lot of customers out there. I've been managing massive websites, especially in Amazon. And so when you think about the growth, right, obviously acquisition strategy, what has that enabled for Syndigo since you've gotten there? When you think about kind of where it was first day to where you are today, what kind of accomplishments have you seen or or goals have you seen Syndigo be able to brush by with, especially with two PE firms looking at, at the results?
0: yeah yeah so so for you i'm just coming up on my four-year anniversary here and um you know I joke and i say I, I still remember i came in with a cco title um, but i only had eight people in my organization <laughs> but it was uh it was aspirational and now there's 200 plus but you know again it was really and, and the legacy company was named gladson uh, owned by a, pr- a prior pe firm as well and um the whole strategy was that there was inefficiencies in terms of how brands would go to market how, how they essentially have that content at the right place at the right time when the consumer or the distributor right it could be a b2b as well is looking to make that purchase and we knew even at the time from a legacy gladson perspective we were just a small little slice of that ecosystem and so from an acquisition perspective what we've done is like i said is we you know the first year took the first year literally talking to customers talking to clients being able to understand across that whole product life cycle what are the different inputs of product information that's needed in order to increase your sales, right? And so that was the journey that we went on. So, you know, 12 acquisitions in now from a Syndigo perspective, it was both either complementary ones or geographical acquisitions as well to really, again, provide our clients who were telling us, hey, I don't wanna work with seven different providers for this experience to get my product to market, what I really need is kind of one platform to be able to manage all that, and that's been the acquisition path as well as the the you know organic product development that we've put forward.
1: And as you look forward, kind of in the next year or two, is it the same type of strategy, or are you going to change directions because of maybe impacts from the pandemic, or maybe it's, man, I don't know. Some companies have done great in the pandemic. Just curious. How yeah, that I mean, two years. <laughs> be- looks.
0: Yeah, being in the e-commerce space, it certainly is not the worst of uh, spots to be in. <laughs> um, not with everybody, uh, you know, willing to buy things online. We did see, obviously, a lot of companies, especially in the CPG and grocery space, who never thought that they would have to sell online, have to get the accurate and updated information, um, you know, to their retail partners. But yeah, I mean, again, I just think it's an ongoing acceleration. And then the other, you know, aspect is we are seeing much more from a globalization perspective. So how do we help our clients create efficiencies? We've got teams in Europe, team in Latin America, partners in Asia-Pac. And essentially from that perspective, like how do we truly be that single source of truth for global companies? Again, you know, languages and, and some product images may be different, but enabling that fundamental software at the baseline to be consistent kind of across regions. Perfect, perfect.
1: All right, so let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. As a CCO, that makes you a prospect for a lot of people out there. So I'm sure you're getting (laughs) pinged all the time. And I'm curious, when somebody doesn't have a trusted referral into you, a trusted, you know, hey, hey, you should talk to this individual, right? How does somebody from your perspective effectively capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar?
0: It's not by offering to buy me a cup of coffee. I will tell you that (laughs) those emails, those those emails don't get very far Um, (laughs) perspective. Um, You know, the ones that have really been, you know, again, I really appreciate, you know, folks who take a similar value selling type approach, right. And try to understand what we're going through. And obviously there's enough press and, and certainly higher level macro trends. And, you know, I, I definitely would you know, take attention to those, whether it's a voicemail or an email, right. But again, that more depends on kind of where, you know, what the needs of our business are, but the best, again, the best ones are literally the most direct two line emails that whether I'm, you know. Walking the dog or, you know, here in, in my basement in Chicago, at least for the near term, until we go back to the office that I at least will read a two line email direct into the point in terms of kind of what the ask is and what the value would be are the ones that, that have been most kind of catching, if you will.
1: Perfect. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales professionals, just one piece of advice that if they listened to and applied, you believe would help them hit or exceed their targets, what would it be and
0: why? I think it all comes down to breaking your or owning your calendar and breaking that into manageable time periods to focus on the necessary few that you know what are required to achieve your goal. So, you know, again, whether that is 90 minutes of prospecting per day, whether that is spending the time to get the renewal contracts out, whether that is, again, Finding that opportunity, or you know, the, um, the the time to actually prospect on LinkedIn, or you know, as you go earlier on in the year, how do you spend two days of just kind of mental oscillation once you get that goal or once you get that quota? We all know goals and quotas look unattainable uh, when you first get them, <laughs> but how you literally break that down? Okay, great. That means you know, if my quota is X, that means I need five deals at twenty grand per quarter how am I gonna go, oh, and that, then that means likely three of those have to be solution A, two have to be solution B, then how do you manage your calendar accordingly from that? I, I think that's the only way in this day and age where there's so many things that are, you know, it's back to the urgent versus important. That's the, the only way that me, my SVPs, my VPs, my reps, you know, can be able to kind of hold themselves honest and, and um, you know, consistent to, uh, to, to working towards those goals. Yeah. Time management
1: is huge. (laughs) Definitely. Own your calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Own that calendar. And you know what? Focus on the revenue generating activities, right? I mean, there's Mm -hmm. so much stuff that you waste time on. Productivity is not equated with just being busy. Right. So, all right. (laughs) So perfect. Listeners interested in learning more about you and or Syndigo. Is there any place special other than say LinkedIn or the website you want us to send them?
0: LinkedIn works perfectly. My email as well, justin.hartnov at syndigo.com. I am a an email fiend. I will not leave the uh, leave until I've cleaned out my inbox every day. So, uh, <laughs> so definitely we'll, we'll get a response for sure.
1: Awesome. I can't thank you enough for being on the show and taking the time.
0: Great. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it.
1: All right, everybody, you know the drill. That does it for this episode. Hit b2brevexec.com. Share it with your friends, family, coworkers. Uh, if you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. Till next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success.
0: You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.